Hello and welcome to the Almost LA Podcast. My name is Aiden. And my name is Audra. And my name's Ellie. And Ellie. There we go. Today we have a guest. We have a, yeah, we have a guest. We have a guest from my music school. Her name is Ellie. She's also my very good friend. She is a female producer at the school, goes in the production program, right? Mm-hmm. All right. What else? I learned I learned that we shouldn't just say female producer as mm-hmm. she's a producer. True. Thank you. Okay, well. <laughs> I don't mean to roast her <laughs> that, but I'm hardcore pro girl right now after everything I've read, yes. so let's cut out the uh, female producer title. Yeah, Not even 30 producer. seconds in and Aiden's been roasted. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just learning. You're learning. You're a white male learning. That's yes. all it is. A white okay. male learning. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's the name of our next podcast. Oh! <gasps> That's a great idea. That White male learning? Yeah, that would be good. Also, because I don't know anything about anything at all. That's, That's okay. That's why we're here. You know. We're here to learn. Educate me. So, Ellie. Yes. You are first year. What do you call yourself, guys? You guys are first year students? Because you don't really have With freshman, orders. sophomore. It's yeah. not a typical yeah, school. People just, yeah, I guess say first year. Or first we say year. a quarter, but like, eh. Right, because the quarter is kind of We weird. have so many quarters, so. Yeah, because it's not like a semester. You go by quarters because people are allowed in your school to kind of drop out if they do like musical stuff and then they yeah. can come back. Yeah. Um, so it's diff- set up a little differently. But you guys started at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Ellie, you're a little bit older, right? You Did you go to school before coming to the school you are now? Yeah, I did. I went to University of Iowa last year for a year and I studied mathematics and pre-med. Hawkeyes. Yeah, go Hawkeyes. Go There's Hawkeyes, Hawkeyes there. Hot guys, yeah, that's actually hot what I guys. It was when oh. I was little. It's not hot guys. No, no, it's not. I was very confused. It's the hot guys. It's the hot math guys. Did you in just Iowa. say hot guys? Yeah. Why would I be like, yeah, hot guys in <laughs> Iowa as it's your so mom? Random. That's super random. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. Why did my mind go to hot guys? That's so crazy. <laughs> also, it's because your nails are painted. On that, yeah, I on that topic, my say. nails are painted right now. Black. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe you just. Your mind's changing. Right. <laughs> You're learning. So I'm learning. I'm a white man, white man learning. learning. So what did you study at Iowa? I studied mathematics. and Well, that was oh. my major and pre-med. I had two majors. But oh I was God. it was only my first year, so I pretty much just, just took like my gen eds and okay. then some extra math classes. So what's the massive shift into music production? I just, I've, like I've always wanted to do music. Um, I started writing songs when I was like younger and I've always loved to sing but where I'm from like I didn't know anyone that did production I didn't really know anyone that knew anything about music so for me it was like if you want something done like if you want to put a song out like you need to learn how to do it yourself and I could write songs and I could sing but I wanted them to sound like you know professional and that was yeah like production that's like what production will give you so that's why I decided to do production and I kind of okay. started before I came here I just bought like logic and I bought a microphone and an interface and stuff but I really didn't know even what production was like about until I got here like right you know I'd never been in a studio like I didn't know I didn't understand like signal flow or how to mic anything except for like m- my voice or like my guitar so it's a lot of things that I didn't even know, like, Existed, had anything to basically. do with being a producer that I'm learning. So right. it's cool. 
So how so is the guitar the only thing you play instrument wise? Yeah. I okay. I can kind of play like the piano a little bit and like the ukulele, but and the drums I guess. A yeah, bit, and yeah. the drums a little bit. I learned how to play, yeah. Um and are, is the town that you're from in Iowa a super small town? Um actually, I grew up mostly in Wisconsin in a small town, yeah. And then I moved okay. to Iowa my senior year, but I moved to the okay. capital of Iowa, so it's it's not that small, but I did I lived there for nine months so right okay but where des i grew up mostly was yeah really small town des des moines says yes des moines i'm just kidding des moines um all right cool so so are you still songwriting now when you guys take your classes i'm sure it's basic like you, what classes do you guys have together that you're both do you have theory guys right now but i oh, think yeah. i think this is our first class that we've even had together we had english first quarter but that's oh, not yeah. the first music class we've had is theory together yeah okay theory three in quarter three because we're very smart yeah so how many <laughs> girls and like what's the ratio of girls guys that started in your like first kind of year students because i know aiden you had like nine guitar players that you guys started with yeah and there was one girl and then she went to songwriting and then now we just got a different girl okay and then yes. what's the ratio for producers so for me um when we started here, it was me and one other girl, and then probably about 20 boys. And um, the other girl, I think, just decided to do something else, or at least for right now. So I'm the only girl in all my okay. classes. Oh, jeez. Yes. And do, do, the, do, the, do you feel like the guys have a little more, I mean, uh, with, the, with Logic and uh, Pro Tools and all that stuff, I mean, I'm sure able that you're able to do from your computer yeah. You know, I think that's where there's this big boom of production because it's so easily accessible at this point. Right. Instead of having to learn everything in studio, did you do you feel like the guys have more of an edge on that and have been doing it longer, or do you think you're kind of all in the same playing field at this point? No, they. I mean, there's a few that I think didn't know like a ton, but I th I think <laughs> pretty much everyone else has had more experience than I have uh, producing like they at least knew what it in entailed like I said I really didn't until I got right. here um, but yeah a lot of them have been like recording their own music and working with other producers and like doing a lot of that stuff yeah previous before. to coming here and I had not also oh, some of them are older too right like the yeah, like most George them, and those guys are like most of them are like my age so they yeah like either have been doing music for a while or went to a lot of them went to like uh, other music schools before this okay um, so yeah do you feel supported in your classes like do you have any female teachers with like produce producing or is it all um, you get all dudes I don't have any female producers like as hmm. teachers actually have you been in the studio yet at all or not yet? yeah yeah um I've been well one of my a few of my classes are in the studio. We don't really use the studio. We just kind of use it as a classroom. But mm -hmm. um, I actually, one of my teachers kind of, I, I just kind of uh, like would ask them like, hey, do you need any uh, anybody to assist on like this session? Or can I come watch you mix? Like just kind of taking an extra step and just like putting myself out there. And a couple of my teachers like kind of latched onto that and saw that I like really wanted to like learn as much as I possibly could and invited me uh one invites me to his studio like almost every week and I go and like help out on his session and just kind of learn how to run everything and now we actually have a class this quarter that we just started where we're going to his studio and learning how to use everything but I kind of 
already have a little bit of an upper hand because I've been going. So that's kind of nice. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's it's interesting that you say that because as we'll go into in a little bit, I, we're going to talk about like some pioneers in the music industry on the female side, especially uh, focusing on production. But a lot of the stuff I've been reading over the past week is um, it's the initiative when that the, the girls have to take. You kind of have to, or females, I'm sorry, or women or whatever, you have to kind of, like you said, you got to put yourself out there. You have to kind of be louder and be more hey, I want to do this. Hey, do you have time for this? Hey, can you look at this? Yeah. Otherwise, I think it, you kind of can get lost in the crowd, it seems like. So it's great that you're doing that. And mm-hmm. I think you should just keep doing that and just be proactive about yeah. it, you know, and, and make sure they don't kind of overlook you. Because if you're the only girl, it kind of seems like that might be an issue. Yeah, I especially feeling like I went in with less knowledge or just sometimes I feel like I'm asking stupid questions or just things that are like a given that we should know. So but you're not. I'm, there's no stupid questions. Yeah, right. But I just, yeah, I'm trying to, like, get as much information as I can so that I don't, yeah. you know, look like the underdog. Yeah. I wouldn't even, as a mom advice, I wouldn't even worry about that. And as a, a woman, who cares? Look like the underdog. Ask questions. Yeah. No one's going to remember in another year that you might have asked a dumb question. That's <laughs> it true. does come across dumb. True. Just keep doing it. Push forward yeah all right that's awesome um so so far what is your like favorite part of production Mm, I don't know I I just I I think it's really cool when we like mic up a whole band and like record a song like cohesively because I've always like at home you know I do my guitar and then I'll like do the vocals after or I guess I'll play my guitar and like sing at the same time sometimes but I always have to overdub everything because it's just me. So it's like yeah. me doing the the beat and then me doing the guitar and then the vocals or whatever. So it's it's cool to be able to mic up like a whole drum kit and like a guitar and amps and a vocalist and then like record it all together and have it like live. Like, it, you know, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Or we did like a um, seven part uh, orchestration like piece um, over our last like finals week. And that was really cool to watch. I was in the studio for like six hours helping um, set up for this session. And then I went and watched and it was just really cool. Like I've never really like listened to orchestra or like listened to that ki- yeah. kind of music. Yeah. And it was cool to watch them play and like watch the conductor. And then I don't know, it was, it, it's, it's very I, like out of my comfort zone and like what I'm used to doing. So it, it's cool yeah. to be able to know how to do that for other people too yeah i I think that that we have the same that it's the same place it's mod studio right no that was actually an andre studio but But do you go do you when you go to mods do you do you do do like the whole thing we have like a band in there sometimes yeah 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 see the that's what i had first quarter and like being in like the band or just like having all the stuff mic'd up and having a full band like recorded and and like you're playing together and then recording the whole song together overdubbing and then having everything be like go perfectly and recording a whole song like that and just the process of that and having all the producers in there and like everybody's throwing ideas out is like the coolest yeah it's, it's so much fun yeah i've never like i've never collaborated with anyone yeah exactly. like i said it's always just been me in my room yeah. writing my own songs right. recording yeah. my own songs so it's it's cool to like be able to record other people and listen to other people and like give feedback and be like you should you should do this. Yeah. Like, that would be cool. Especially when, like, the older guys will g- give you, like, constructive criticism. Or, like, you'll, be, like, ideas will be thrown out and then some of them are good. 
and then the ones that are bad are just like you know immediately when they're bad you don't have to like <laughs> think about is that a bad idea or should i say it you just throw it out there and then they, they could either say that sucks or that works or let's try it yeah and you just get right. to be creative and stuff right that's cool that's that's so cool i'm like jealous of you guys i wish i did because <laughs> I, I i i grew up in iowa as well but oh, until really? high school yeah i grew up in iowa until high school and i didn't know anything existed yeah. <laughs> except like records that my brother would play you know oh, so yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that's neat for me doing this podcast and learning about specifically la's music history like i feel like we just we did an episode about the punk scene and i'm like oh i would have totally been in that i would have totally been punk mm -hmm. yeah if i knew that that even existed you right. know what i mean so i think that's neat that you guys are doing that and i that, it's interesting that you say that because i feel like you're a generation and it could be wrong but everything is so on the computer and overdubbed and and there is this lack of music putting out that's that's live unless you go tour or whatever so there's this weird like you know disconnect between some of the stuff you listen to on the radio and then some of the stuff i think that you could go listen to live right you know that some kids might not have heard certain instruments you know like you said the orchestra stuff it's like you're hearing instruments you probably never even thought of you know um or seen or anything which is really neat that you guys are getting that experience um and it's neat to hear you say that like you're so used to that overdub thing but that to hear things kind of come together live because that's all I grew up on was like a lot of the recordings that we listened to in the 70s or whatever they recorded stuff in the studio to sound live on the records yeah, or that was the you know goal. that you know you would get that was exactly that was the goal and so now it's, the goal it's, is like perfection so mm -hmm. right right so actually that's I I didn't like when I used to listen to old music I like old music and I've always liked older music but I wouldn't listen to Led Zeppelin and stuff like that I liked the songs but now coming to the school and then being exposed to how per how perfect modern music is, I grew an appreciation for that. And then yeah. just in like a two months, I grew an appreciation for that. And then I went back to the old music and I realized like how raw it sounds and how you can hear what all, everything that's going on mm -hmm. and how, how raw it is. I grew an, another appreciation for that, for the old music. So yeah. now I'm on the old music kick again. So I just can't get away from it. Right. But I'm ex yeah. appreciating it for a different reason. Yeah, neither's wrong. It's just, it's it's just, just different. different. Yeah. yeah. And it's we, different. we actually mixed one of my assignments, like first quarter, I think, or maybe it was last quarter, was to mix uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. And so <sighs> we had the raw stems of all the instruments and mics and tracks. And, um, it was just interesting to hear because there was even a lyric where the lead and the background sang different lyrics and and oh, then really? i went back and we were supposed to mix it like as closely to the yeah. actual song as we could so i was listening to the you know original mix and then trying to go back to my mix and make it sound the same and you can kind of hear it in the song oh really the different lyric uh, yeah and i was funny. like wow they just really didn't care like they were like whatever yeah. you know <laughs> like that would never happen now and the layperson's not even going to hear that anyway right do you know what i mean right. like yeah like i didn't notice did. it until yeah. i was mixing yeah. right and i and everybody that's growing up with it probably didn't hear it either right. so that's really cool mm -hmm. i'm excited for you guys i'm jealous so <laughs> why did you decide to come to la well, I looked at a, I mean, a few different besides schools. Besides getting out of the Midwest, no offense to the Midwest. Oh, but yeah. No, that was a big, <laughs> that was honestly the biggest reason. I looked at a, a few different music schools, um, like Berkeley and Boston, which I had looked at in high school. I went to a 
Berklee College of Music camp, and I loved it. And mm-hmm. that's actually, I bought my interface and microphone right after I left that camp and Logic. Because oh, cool. I was like, I met friends that were already recording and touring and like doing mm-hmm. cool stuff. And I was like, okay, what's like, what do I do, guys? And they were like, get yourself an interface and a microphone and start recording. Yep. So I looked back into that school um, and uh, Full Sail, which is like in Florida. But the music scene here, I mean, this is this is where like entertainment yeah arrives you know so that's kind of yeah. why i wanted to come out here and also the weather the weather was a huge thing for me oh yeah the weather it's and it's i think amazing. that you'll find that like uh, even a lot of the um i was reading uh, about a, a producer that we'll talk about later and she's from australia and you know finding the diversity there with so many people from different countries different backgrounds mm-hmm. come to LA they, and you don't really realize it until you get there you know um that there's just so much going on there because people I don't know people are like oh California they're so crazy and you know cuckoo and you know yeah. who we are but it's also super diverse here especially in the cities you oh know, yeah it's very definitely. neat you know that's so Aiden, yeah that's Aiden loves it there too that was his West. goal he's like I'm out of here <laughs> even though I only went like two hours three hours away, away. <laughs> yeah but the Cali- there's parts of California that feel like tiny small towns in yeah. the Midwest too, because California is big. Well, so. yeah, when Aiden told me we where get he it. was from and like about the trucks and like the <laughs> fields and horses, like, nah, yeah, like I, yeah. I didn't even believe it. Oh yeah, like, he should bring you up here and you'll be like, oh, I'm back where I came from. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's always yeah. 75. <laughs> it doesn't snow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Do you guys want to start learning some stuff? Yeah. Oh, my long-winded. I could have gone on for this forever because I got <laughs> so worked up about everything um and the funny thing is our Instagram I'm trying to build up our Instagram following um and the most I posted something this week with uh, Linda Perry's picture and then say we're going to talk about female producers this week oh yeah I saw gorgeous that. producers that are women and um I mentioned you were going to be on it and more people commented like two people but like it was there was more stuff on that inst- you know, on that one post than yeah. anything else because I think it's you know there's a lot going on with this whole thing. Right. Um, okay, so I'm gonna get right into this. You guys chime in. You feel like it? Right. Get mad when you want it. And white man learning. Let us know if you need to have any questions about anything, Teach or if me. you just get okay. too overwhelmed with all the knowledge, <laughs> with all the females, <laughs> with all the female. Where are all the men's names in here? <laughs> I must leave. I've heard. I literally left out male names on purpose unless I had to (laughs) it was like a husband or something I was like should I mention the husband okay maybe I should classic (laughs) (laughs) okay so last year when the recording academy president um Neil Portnow uh commented made a comment on he was asked about the male dominance of the um of the winners in the academy and and the grammys and all that because they overwhelmingly win and are nominated his quote wasn't taken very kindly um Basically, it was the quote going around was just his step up part of his quote uh, that women needed to step up to the plate, that they'd be welcomed, you know, um, but they're not around or something. He's to me, I kind of took it as like, yeah, we'll welcome it, but they're not quite up to the level as men or they're not as, you know, as talented as men is kind of the way I took it. And I think that's what most people kind of took it at. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the entire industry musicians engineers producers and the executive level um and he i don't know he kind of worked everybody up he stepped down and so 
it, I don't know if you get Aiden went to this Grammys. This Grammys was significantly different in as this year as in past years, where it was like female performer after female performer after like it was just like cuckoo to watch. And I haven't watched the Grammys to be honest with you in years because I was so bored with it. I'm like it's the same stuff over and over again, and it was actually very exciting. I was like getting chills here and there because I was like, yes, go go go. Um, and then after that, they started this initiative through the Recording Academy that they're asking members um, to consider at least two women for any production or engineering opportunity. And that is because only 2% of music producers and 3% of engineers are mixers in popular mu music are women. Wow. 2% and 3%, which is shocking to me. That's crazy. It's not shocking, but it's like when you see the number, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, since the Grammy for production, non-classical, which is kind of what the popular music is defined at in those terms, uh, was first handed out in 1975, no woman has taken home the golden gramophone. Uh, just a handful of women, including Janet Jackson, Paula Cole, Sheryl Crow, Lauren Hill, Mariah Carey, Lisa Coleman, uh, Wendy Melvin from Prince's band The Revolution have been nominated for producing their own music. Um, and only one nominated female producer uh, who's not has not recorded her own music, uh, Lauren Christie from The Matrix in 2004 was nominated. So most women, as you can tell from that list, they're producing their own music right. simply because what you're saying before is, you know, the only opportunity you really have is when you become huge and you are, you know, you're like, I'm going to produce my music, by the way. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, the situation's less bleak for producers in classical music, um, and the three women have won that category, inclu including uh, quadruple winner Judith Sher Sherman, Imogen Heap, and Trina Shoemaker. Um, and she won, Grant. they've all won Grammys for Best Engineered Album Non-Classical. So it's still it's engineering and not really producing right. from what I'm understanding. Uh, this has been going on obviously for a gazillion years um, and in the last decade only two women Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift have landed on the Billboard's year-end top producers chart and that's for their own songs again so it's not like anyone's inviting women to do kind of their their music so let's talk about a couple women that back in the day kind of broke the glass ceiling before their time Lillian Shedd McMurray she was one of the earliest record producers um, she was kind of a badass. In 1949, um, her and her husband were cleaning out a store they had bought. He was a furniture store owner, and he had bought some other kind of store and was cleaning it out and was going to sell the products from that store. And they came across a pile of 78 RPM uh, phonograph discs, and some of the workers uh, that were helping them clean everything out started playing the records, and she started uh, listening to a song called All She Wants to Do is Rock by... Wynani Harris, and she was so inspired by the what she quoted is the rhythm and freedom of the song, she decided to sell records at her husband's store, so she kind of opened up this little corner um, of his store, a record store of her own, where she sold the records that they had found in that place, and then she started, you know, obtaining more records to sell, and um, she is often quoted as kind of you know people in her community where she's this white lady obviously and she's she's selling these black records and she'd never actually heard a black record before so she was like blown away that this stuff even existed and it was actually being performed um in her in her area and she didn't even ha she had no clue because she you know it was very segregated at that point yeah um so 
she decided that she wanted to actually record these guys in her area record their music and she she started this record store to sell stuff called the record mart and then in 1950 she started trumpet records and then she eventually had a parent company called diamond record company and she's um, known for discovering guitarist elmore james and um, she actually produced his original recording of dust off uh dust sorry dust my broom and he ended up being i mean aiden he's kind of doing guitar um blues i don't know where he went but he uh (laughs) He's disappeared from my yeah. He had he had a blows nose, (laughs) but yeah, he took a a blues like I think it was called um, some blues class that they take. He might know who this guy is. Here he comes. The one you had. But his his songs that she recorded and produced have now become like blues standards. Have you heard of Elmore James? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So the woman we're talking about, she recorded most of his early stuff, um, and she produced it herself in her studio. And most of his stuff is now blues standards, so you probably have in your in your classes. Um, and she also, as I said a little bit ago, she didn't adhere to the music union segregation requirements at the time, which said black and white musicians couldn't play together. So even if they recorded music, they had to do it separately. That's literally so stupid. Yeah, music is a collective thing, and you th- oh, that's so stupid. Well, I know, but you're talking about this is Back in the, the 1950s. Yeah, I know it's just stupid. <laughs> they couldn't even. Build of course, it's stupid. So, of course, she received a lot of backlash from this <coughs> during the time. Um, and she had many quotes of, like, where she struggled with this. She didn't understand, you know, what the issue was because she's her, she was basically saying, like, hey, you know, these white people who are like, you can't record black music are going off to clubs listening to black musicians and dancing to it. You know, so it was one of these things where it's like, I'll be in a white club, I'll listen to black music even if they're performing on stage or over a loudspeaker or a record or whatever, but I don't want to see them unless they're on a stage and far away or mingle with them. You know, it's this whole weird, everything was so separate, you know, and she just was one of those that was like, I don't get this. But ultimately, unfortunately, her her um, label fell through in 1956 and it closed down, um, but she eventually was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 1988 uh, for record producing, which is actually, she's one of the very few um, record producers at all, male or female, that's actually um, in the Blues Hall of Fame, which oh, is actually cool. really cool. I'm going to play for you the song that she recorded that's now like a blues standard, which I should have queued up earlier, called Dust My Broom. And the funny thing about this is when, he, I guess the story goes, um, Elmore didn't realize he was actually being recorded at the time. I don't know why. And this ended up launching his career and making him like the blues guy. And then, but when he found out she recorded it without his permission, he never worked with her again. But it basically made his career. Ungrateful. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Dust My Friend. believes he's dust in his broom that's like guitar sick yeah this right that is a female produced song thank you very much i'm gonna say that over and over again until it's super annoying 
Okay. So my next powerhouse is Marion Keister. Have you ever heard of her? Yeah, I have heard of her. She was the first person to ever record Elvis Presley. Yes, yes. Uh, and she has a fascinating life in general. So sh- there's, if you Google here, Google her, there's a you know bunch of articles on her. But she, she was like, you know, she marched for you know uh, gender equality and like she did a ton of stuff back in the day. It's crazy. Um, she. So go check her out because I thought I was I could have gone and read about her forever. She was divorced in 1943, which in itself blows my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and she had a son, so she was a single mom. Uh, and she, so she, so I know we're in LA and this whole LA thing, but we're talking about places all over. The, so she's clearly in Memphis. Um, she was a very well-known radio personality in Memphis at the time, and she hosted her own show and actually wrote and produced 14 other shows. And she met this guy named Sam Phillips, who she kind of partnered up with, and he ended up opening uh, the most famous and early on record uh, studio called Memphis Memphis Recording Service and Sun Records. So he's kind of the guy that they think kind of jump-started a lot of the blues and a lot of, um, you know, Elvis Presley type kind of stuff. Isn't isn't Sun Records the uh, label or whatever that was in that play, the Million Dollar Quartet? Sure. <laughs> yes. Sorry. It is, White male spoke. <laughs> White male. Are you mansplaining it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? I, I have to know, go. Yes. Yeah. No. Seth, w- <laughs> Seth and I went to Laguna Beach and we saw that play, the Million Dollar Quartet. Oh, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure it was okay, Sun yeah. Records and the Elvis yes. Presley and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah. So you're correct. Thank you. Um. So she did. You know, they were kind of just her and Sam. They were buddies at that time um she did everything from like laying the tile on the floor to cleaning to she actually installed the bathroom of the studio um she managed the office she kind of did everything and sam did as well they had limited money at the time and it was just the two of them so they both kind of builded this whole thing from the ground up and they both ran it together so as the story goes she was in the studio alone on july 18th 1953 when elvis came in to record two songs one called My Happiness, and the other one's That's When Your Heartache Begins, for a fee of $3.25. Wow. Um, she operated the studio's, I think it's Recocut, R-E-K-O-K-U-T, Recocut Direct-to-Disc, La- is it Lath Production Girl? Lath? Lath? Again, sorry people, I'm not pronouncing it correctly. I get roasted all the time for not pronouncing stuff yeah, correctly. Like Elvis <laughs> Presiley? Prosciutto? Elvis Prosciutto? Prosciutto? Let's move on. So anyway, a disc. And she also ran the mono recorder. Um, And she also kept, like, meticulous studio notes, which they did at the time, on all their artists, uh, because this was such kind of a new thing and a new genre coming up. And back in the day, they would say, oh, I heard this guy. He's good at ballads. Oh, this guy does this. And they would make notes. And if somebody came in saying, hey, I need some guy to sing on this thing for me do you have anybody that they could offer somebody up for them and on the notes next to elvis's name she put good ballad singer hold so she liked him um so elvis and marion's exchange that day is now like folklore so she said what kind of singer are you and elvis said i sing all kinds marion asked do you who do you sound like and he responded i don't sound like nobody which is now like this whole famous exchange i don't sound like nobody I don't sound like nobody. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what he said. I think that's what he said at the end. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. 
<laughs> is that a cringy mom thing i just said sorry okay she also launched the uh, first all-female radio station w-h-e-r-a-m mm, I feel like w her what <laughs> w her w-h-e-r-a-m oh okay so she left the business in 1957 um, when her and Sam's kind of relationship became toxic. Uh, masculinity, toxic masculinity, anyone? I don't know what happened there. I didn't really get the, the whole jib on that, but she left. Um, she actually en- entered the- taking credit for like her stuff. Yeah, well that, interestingly, yes, you're right. I'm about to bring that up. You are very knowledgeable. <laughs> she en- ended up um, going into the army i think she was a sergeant or something at one point and elvis actually when he went into the army if you guys recall he got drafted um he took a bunch of pictures with her because he saw her at some where she was stationed um and he was giving her a bunch of credit like i wouldn't be here without you kind of stuff did he even do anything in the army like or did they just throw him to the side and and try not to get him killed you know what Uh, i mean yeah kind of oh okay that i think he wanted to do stuff but they also had to kind of protect him he was also like a national treasure at the time when he went into the army he was famous yeah you know, that's what so. I say. it's like why would they just put him on the front lines or something yeah exactly um drafted? yeah they wouldn't <laughs> you'd be like eating the whole yeah. time and like sitting alone <laughs> yeah easy stuff um so yeah so when she left and she went to the army and stuff uh in the 70s like Ellie said, Sam started taking credit for her recording of Elvis's songs, which was many, many, many years later. Um, and he has this quote of like, well, I don't want to take anything away from her, but, you know, I did it kind of thing. And it's like, well, sour grapes. You didn't say anything at the time. Clearly she did it. End of story. He's trying to like, you know, take credit for her stuff because I think he's just bitter about some things. Um and then, as I said, Elvis praised her throughout, basically saying, like, she was a major role in his career and might not have been where he was without her, which I'm sure he would have been. But, you know, he at least gave her credit. So Jack White now owns that um, acetate disc and of those wow. first recordings, and he bought it for 300000 And I think he oh, digitally re, um, redid them. So I'm going to play that first song that Elvis did. I've got it queued up right here if you want me to play it. Oh, my good, Happiness? Yeah, My Happiness. Shadows make me blue When each weary day How I long to be with you My happiness Every day I rent Dreaming of your tender kiss, always thinking how I miss. Nice, nice, very different. Yeah, that doesn't really sound like him. I feel like. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Also, he—I don't think he was staying on time very well, which kind of made me mad. Yeah. Well. I just want to sample that one. You just want to sample it now. Mm Make a beat. Do it. Make a Kanye West beat. <laughs> Ellie's going to leave this interview and like this whole thing and like have an explosion of creativity. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> so our next lady is Sonia Pottinger, and she was the first female Jamaican reggae music producer. Oh, cool. Um, again, after she separated from her husband, who was, a recordi- who was also a record producer, um, she decided to venture into music production as well. She had three kids at the time, and then she went on to have a fourth child in the 70s. 
and she basically said that you know somebody asked her in an interview that I watched because a couple interviews of her online it, sound, it looks like somebody was trying to do a documentary so they posted their interview clips of her and they asked her you know what got you into this and she was like well first of all um, you know I I liked music and second of all it, there was an, a need I had a family to feed and and this is what I knew because I think she was around it so much from her husband um, and she's very she was a devout Christian and so there's this, this story that she tells where she wouldn't let anybody swear in her studio and if they needed to swear they needed to like remember it and then go outside and do it so she ran like a tight ship but she was also she's very reserved and very proper she's a proper lady so she's I kind of dug her it was kind of interesting to watch her talk especially in this day in like the 60s and doing reggae and stuff which is kind of I don't think and I also think I read that since her there really hasn't been a really notable reggae female producer unfortunately so she launched um labels gay feet xl pep and high note labels um and then she had the glory imprint for gospel titles and this was all in the mid 60s the first single that she issued was called every night by joe white and chuck and she did the recording in one take she said don't do it again and she said it just felt right and that was it which is kind of cool she also produced albums for the ethiopians delano stewart the melodians elton ellis and the toots and the maytels and this is all during the 60s and 70s as i said but she's best known for her work um harder than the rest the 1978 lp by roots reggae group culture um and in an interview clip from the doc i was talking about uh she said, I have some classics with, which will be my footprint in the sand of time. I might not have as many as the men, but I have mine, which I thought was kind of a neat way of looking at her, uh, yeah, that's her legacy cool going forward, you know? So I'm going to play every night. What I think is cool is I could find this stuff on iTunes, and it, I don't know, it just kind of seems, it's neat to hear that women produce these songs and they sound like old scratchy recordings yeah, you know yeah. what i mean okay here's every night every night now it's interesting that she's known because i know she got more reggae like towards the 70s so that sound is interesting to me because to me reggae is not that right yeah. do you know what i mean yeah that doesn't that's not what i like hear in yeah. my head when so i think reggae yeah but you know not knowing the jamaican music and like the background of that yeah. it, clearly that's part of it so that's kind of cool um okay so the next person we're going to talk about is one of my favorites, Sylvia Robinson. Do you guys know who Sylvia Robinson yes. is? I don't know a lot about her, but I have heard 
of her. Um, she's the mother of hip hop. She's best known as the founder and CEO of Sugar Hill Records. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's where I think of her. Okay. Yep, she's an she was an immigrant from the Virgin Islands, and she dropped out of high school at age fourteen and started rec- uh, recording um, uh, music in nineteen fifty. Uh, for Columbia Records as Little Sylvia. Damn. And she she had some hits along the way, um, a couple notable ones. Uh, she had a duet um, with this guy, Mickey Baker, who also taught her guitar along the way. And as, along the way as, as well, as she's learning like about music and singing and all this, she's kind of picking up production here and there. And then she also went on to have a, a pretty good solo uh, career as well. The most famous song that her and Mickey Baker did was called Love is Strange. Um, and that is when you, have you both seen Dirty Dancing? I don't, I don't think th- so. I don't think I've seen the whole movie. Oh, <gasps> okay. But you know, like, put don't put baby in the corner. Have you, you know, that whole like scene where they're like, you know? Yeah. Sure. So at the beginning of that scene where they're kind of seducing each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Their, her, their song, Love is Strange, is playing in the background. Oh, okay. I think it's the Don't Put Baby in the Corner scene where they, at the end of that, where they're like freaking out. Um, but it's in that movie. And that's that song went to number one for her and uh, and Mickey Baker. Is that because of the movie uh, or is it because of the song? No, no, no. Back then it went to number one. Oh, okay. And then they ended up putting it in Dirty Dancing because it it's a famous song. Oh, wow. Um, so... Her and her husband Joe started a, a music, a soul music label called All Platinum Records, uh, which eventually folded in '75. It was because of a bad business deal they were trying to merge with somebody else, didn't work out. So then they went on to launch Sugar Hill Records in 1979, and they were going to f- try to focus on new sound, and specifically ended up being the fast emerging rap and hip hop scene. Um, so the story goes, I don't know if I. I put in here the story goes that she was in Harlem and she was at this club and back then the DJ kind of rapping over um, music and going on these kind of like long spiels of storytelling and rapping was very much part of the culture and it was very much kept in the neighborhoods and not something as far as I can remember in reading is something that they wanted kind of out you know on the radio or anything it was very much they wanted to keep it to themselves and it was kind of a cultural thing and she felt it's time to kind of get this stuff going and put it down on vinyl and get it on the radio so she took a bunch of rappers that didn't know each other a couple days later and she invited them over to her house and she uh, created the uh, Sugar Hill Gang and then they went into their studio and they recorded uh, Rapper's Delight in 79 which is rap's first hit Iconic. and and uh, let's see. Do we have that? Are you? Do I have it up? Do you have it up? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, let's I don't. Play that. I don't have that one up. Rappers. Don't. Okay. Let me. I think I have it. Sorry, guys. Um. Shoot. Let me grab it. Yeah. So that went on to be. That also kind of had some controversy because she wasn't kind of given her due on that at all all right here i have it so what she did was she brought them to the studio and she recorded them rapping over a disco beat and mm-hmm. they did like a 15 minute single take and that was it and really then it all went yep so here's rapper's delight 
You can hear the disco right away. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that was a single take. Yep. I'll see you in six minutes when this is over. <laughs> Rapper's Delight. Yeah, that was like that the intro for mainstream hip-hop. Totally. And that brings back, I get like goosebumps right now, because that is like my childhood. I think. And it's so funny to hear the difference between the simple rhymes, you know, he's kind of like beat feet, you know what I yeah. mean? And because and they're just, because back then it was just like all like by the seat of their pants. Well, yeah, you know, it wasn't this total freestyle. So it's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. So, Robinson um, went on to produce and, and co-write another like, huge uh, song, White Lines, Don't Don't Do It, in 1983. Um, and then Grand Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five's The Message, which was like an iconic song mm -hmm. that a lot of people kind of um, kind of got their sound and copied that uh, later on. Um, and those songs all totally developed early hip hop yeah. and and it's I, there was something Aiden was showing me something recently in the last year or so where the some of the a couple of rappers that were being interviewed didn't know basic history of like rap or where anything kind of came from which was kind of shocking to me uh, not shocking but it's like it just kind of shows you that even you know a couple decades later ev things get lost and you don't know where this genre came from or where what happened yeah. you know which is is kind of fascinating sad and fascinating but you know it's 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 up to everybody to kind of teach, you know, what's going on. Um, so Leland, her son, said, quote, she was a woman that never got the recognition that she really should have gotten, and I think it's because she was a woman. I think that if uh, it was a man in her position that started rap music, then he would have been glory to God. But being that it was a man, I just think that they don't recognize it as being a person that started a legacy. Sorry, that it was she was a woman that I don't think she's recognized as being the person that started a legacy. Um, so the theme you're kind of getting from this is I feel like women start something, they, they're, they are kind of like the pioneer in something, even a whole genre, and then they just kind of get overlooked or forgotten or somebody kind of takes their thunder away from it over the years and they're forgotten. Yeah, well, that's really weird because, um, like, I, I've heard her name, but I've watched, like, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix and, like, I've written papers about, like, the the history of rap music and stuff and never and I've talked about like um rapper's delight because you know that was a big song and like a breakthrough song and I never have heard her name attached to that or any of this so that just kind of shows That's you sad. how That's yeah how crazy. neglected she is yes for sure um I don't know that frustrates me don't get me worked up okay <laughs> now we're gonna go on <laughs> raging Going to Joan Jett. So Joan Jett, grandmother of punk, 
Um, it's another thing. Like, Sylvia, like, mother of hip-hop, grandmother of punk. Mm-hmm. It's like these women are, like, iconic women that have, like, titles after their name. So she produced, we talked about this in our punk episode eight, and she produced the Germs one and only album in 1977 called G.I., and that was, like, her kind of dive, as far as I could tell, into production. Um, Darby Crash of the Germs originally wanted Mark Lindsay of Paul Revere and the Raiders to produce the record, but he was too expensive. So Joan did it, you know, so here again, it's like the fallback on like, you're too expensive. She's like, I'll do it. What do you want to charge me? Great. Here we go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and she had kind of learned production while she was in the studio when she was in the Runaways, uh, which was, you know, the iconic kind of start of uh, punk and grunge and all that kind of stuff. And she was also the friend of the band. So I think she was like, I'm a friend. I'll do this. I have this kind of knowledge. Let's do it. And uh, the record is actually considered the first hardcore punk album. And she said she did it um, to the best of her ability. And what she wanted to do is, like we said before, she wanted to make it sound like it was live, like you were at the concert watching the the band. And I think that she kind of does that because I'm going to play you a song. And it all sounds like they're kind of sitting right here fumbling through their music. Um, And that's kind of been her M.O. I think when she's produced um, moving forward, she went on to produce all her, you know, most of her music in the 90s for sure. And she's very big on making it sound live. So I'm going to play you um, Manimal from uh, that one uh, record that she did. Did I not put this on here too? Aiden, every time you get up to go do something i lose something okay here we go here's man manimal it's all your fault i'm gonna blame aiden i just copied so much Is that really a good place to stop there? Because it's just all. <laughs> it's yeah, you just, just have to come out whenever. <laughs> there you go, Joan Jet produced GI album. Um, okay, so Sylvia Massey is known for uh, largely for working with alternative rock, mm-hmm. and she's best known for producing Tool's 1993 multi platinum album uh, Undertow. Yeah, <laughs> Undertow. <laughs> She also has produced pro- uh, production credits on tracks by bands including Seven Dust and Power Man 5000. Massey has worked extens- extensively as a sound en- engineer and mixer, yes. most notably on System of the Downs' 1998 debut album titled System of yes. the Downs. <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers' Love Roller Coaster. Yes! And on Johnny Cash's album Unchained. Still yes, but less of a yes. <laughs> and a bunch of others. Um, she won a grant so she get i guess the johnny cash's album she produced also with rick rubin who i think she collaborated with a Was lot that 2002 um, I, I don't know okay. and she won a grammy no 1997 for mm-hmm. that al- best country album in 1997 um in dave grohl's uh sound city movie yep. um massey's vintage nev uh eight three eight zero three eight console i don't know if that's how you oh, say it's that probably neat. and her 
Neve, yes, thank you. I knew that's what it was. That's why Ellie's here. Because <laughs> Neve isn't that a really specialized, those consoles. Yeah, There's not yeah. very many of them around. Some English guy, isn't an English guy did it with black last name e- Neve, I think. Yeah, his last from what name I read. is Neve. I don't know. Um, and her other specialized equipment is visible in many of the scenes um, because she worked at Sound City, which is in, I think, Van Nuys from 1994 to 2001. Um, and just to bring back how Charles Manson ruins everything. He recorded some songs at Sound City in the 60s before all the Manson murders. I just had to throw that in there for my own amusement. Um, So Massey, she's got like an extensive list of people that she's worked with and she's been huge in like, you know, grunge, alternative rock and all that. I guess that's what it's called now. So grunge is now alternative rock. Is that what we've all kind of, according to, according to uh, Sirius Radio or something? she she was asked in, in an article um, that I saw, it was on billboard.com, um, about women producers, and she thinks that the long 14-hour days in the studio are what keeps women from going into the field, and mm. she, she knows it's a controversial statement, she knows not everybody's psyched about it, but she feels that having a family is not conducive to like studio life, and she's doesn't want kids, so she's like, I'm this is my life, and this is what I'm doing because I can dedicate myself to it. Now, I'm going to say I don't think I'm going to disagree, agree to disagree, yeah. because the people we were just talking about all were single mothers, basically, that decided to go into production, right. <laughs> that had multiple kids to, to support their families, exactly. So it's kind of, that frustrates me a little bit, and it also it's kind of saying that women that go into the field of medicine or CEOs of other companies right. or anything else that's like intensive or whatever nobody should have kids which doesn't make any sense to me so yes it's a controversial statement she's allowed to her opinion we support her um but it doesn't make any sense to me so i and i think her not having kids um you know i there are women that are like i want to be home with my kids 14 hours a day seems crazy i get that more power to you that's your choice but i also think that there are people that have help and you know support in a way that they can actually do that so i don't think it should demotivate you or you know or take away from the fact that this is something that you want to pursue and you know and and go for and like you said there are plenty of careers that are like super demanding as far as the hours that you have to you know be at work but yeah exactly that shouldn't you know i mean anything i mean you could be a sex worker and work all nights and you've got kids i mean you're it doesn't matter so it doesn't make any sense so um i do that's my rant on that Yes, I do love her, too. So that's why it kind of conflicted me. I was like, no, don't say that. All right, so I'm going to play Tools Sober, which she produced. If I can pull it up here on YouTube. Tools, not on iTunes, which is kind of, they only have like four songs on iTunes, which I think is weird. Oh, really? Okay, here we go. song. Every shadow just behind 
All right, I'm going to cut it off there, even though I could play that song. Aiden's going to be mad that he keeps getting up and leaving to go cough, and he didn't hear that song. So when I was looking for that song on iTunes, do you know how many songs are named t- are Sober? There oh, are a gazillion songs titled Sober. Yeah. It's crazy. So there you go. So on to Missy Elliott, my girl. I love her. I think all my um, middle-aged white uh, workout songs <laughs> are Missy Elliott songs. <laughs> She's the best. So Missy Misdemeanor Elliot, uh, she had a pretty crazy upbringing um, in and in itself that she got out of that. She came from a very abusive household, mm. uh, and her and her mom basically ran away from their dad, like saying they were going to go on a bus trip somewhere and like took off, which was crazy. Oh, wow. um, and she was always in fear that, he, that her father was actually going to kill the both of them. Um, so sad. she kind of miraculously got herself out of that and uh, and is where she is today so if you ever doubt where you come from or what you're going through you can get through it too um she started out in an all-female group sista in 1989 and she was a member of the swing mob which was a kind of a collective group of artists and musicians um and in 1993 uh the song that's what little girls are made of uh, was the debut single from raven simone that's so raven (laughs) Aiden, did you watch that So Raven when you were a kid? A little bit, yeah, I guess. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ellie's like, I watched I actually, all of uh, it. I actually just watched an episode, like, not even that long ago. I found it online. I watched it, too. <laughs> Some of my kids must have watched it because I've seen it, so. Yeah. I love that. Hello. What was it on the Disney Channel? Yeah. Yeah. That was a classic. Yeah. I watched and the, iCarly. And well, she's got a new, she's got her new show where she's the mom and she's oh, like that one's good too I've yes seen that one. <laughs> i've seen that one too kayla my daughter watches that one um so that's actually raven simone's highest chart appearance to date really? is that song that miss elliott produced yes i was kind of shocked by that because she's, she's been around a long time when she, she was little yeah. that's so funny that you mentioned that because when i pulled up the song so i'm gonna play it in a second and you see her i'm like and then you hear her wait till you hear her she's a baby yeah. i'm like oh my god she shouldn't have been singing a song she's too young um, so that was produced, written, and featured Miss, Missy Elliott, who performed a verse of scat singing and Jamaican-style toasting. The music video featured a thinner, light-skinned actress lip-syncing her part. What? Which was an issue. Yes. Mm. I did not know that. Um, this is another issue for another time, clearly. Uh, yeah. But cool, in the behind-the-scene, uh, or behind-the-music episode, Elliot revealed that she was not informed that the video shoot was happening, and she was <gasps> later told that she didn't quite fit the image that they were looking for. What the so, hell? Mm, so later taking her revenge, she donned an oversized garbage bag costume in her groundbreaking 1997 video, The Rain, from her debut oh. solo, solo album, Supa Dupa Fly. I didn't know that Which explains, I never that. knew what, yeah, it's funny, she just did an interview I read um, when I was kind of researching this, and she says that she looks back on those, her old music videos, and she's like, I know I was smoking back then, but she's like, those are crazy music videos. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all amazing. Yeah. They're the ones that you remember, Super like, nice. I mean, I was inundated with MTV and all that kind of, you know, and let's remember. So here is, that's what little girls are made of. Raven Simone. I don't know if you can see. Look how. Can you see in my camera? Look how little she oh, is. Oh, yeah. You see that's it? like the Cosby show, Raven Simone. Yes. She's, like she's a baby. Okay. Here's her song. Yeah. 
Isn't that nuts? Bars. <laughs> I didn't. She was rapping. Like she was going. She's in. rapping. She's amazing. She's little. It's like a little voice. And that is for sure produced by Missy Elliott. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, care what anybody says. Um, okay, so iconic Linda Perry. Uh, so she's like a renaissance moon. She's been around forever. And a lot, so um, like in 2000, I'm going to talk to a couple like new younger producers later on. Um, and one of the girls that was starting out, you know, when she was a kid or like in high school back then, she was like, I googled like female producers she like didn't know anybody that was doing it and she said linda perry was literally the only person at the time that would come up so it's wow. not sadly very different now unless you're specifically knowing what you're kind Looking of for. researching yeah. um which was kind of frustrating to kind of look at this stuff because you kind of had to go to deep dives and different levels of stuff just to kind of get some information which was crazy to me but she comes up she's very well known um she was a member of the 90s band four non blondes which loved um she sang lead on their hit what's up and she went on to become a well-known songwriter and producer she's worked with everybody um most notably perry produced pink's number one hit single uh, get the party started uh, christina aguilera's beautiful in addition to loads of other tracks for artists including britney spears courtney love gwen Feston, uh, gwen stefani alicia keys and james blunt and she is currently a member of the band deep dark robot which i haven't heard, heard yet that. but i'm going so i'm gonna play get the party started once i find it I I don't, i'm very ill prepared well. with this song this song that she's about to play yeah i used to think i was such a badass like listening to pink when I was like seven, Wait, why? she lives in uh, <laughs> she lives near us. <laughs> she does. She don't talk about her husband. That's just the stuff that Aiden says that just irks me. <laughs> <laughs> we used to live next to Ellen. Shut up. <laughs> we did in Hollywood. In Hollywood, we lived next to Ellen DeGeneres, and she used to walk our do- her dogs what? by our yeah. house all the time. And I never. So I have. I am notorious for everyone sees people but me. So I lived there with everybody else. <laughs> That's the everybody worst. else saw her and walked their dog. They're like, "We're dog walking buddies." You never saw her. I'm like, never saw uh, her. Is, isn't that crazy? That's so. Okay. Brittany saw her uh, this weekend in Montecito, and then uh, last weekend too. Oh yeah, really? She sees her every weekend. <laughs> Who's Brittany? I went to my high school. Britney's back? Britney's. <laughs> yeah, Britney Spears. Britney I talked to Britney Spears. Britney Spears. She sees Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, your friend Britney yeah. Spears. Okay. All right, here's Get the my Party wife. Started. Britney Spears. <laughs> Go, Ellie. party started now all those songs that we played are produced by women and they're all very different genres very different songs spans of decades super cool so ellie yes who are your favorite women producers honestly do you have any or even male producers um just producers i really like Pharrell, Missy Elliott is a big one. Um, Mar- 
Charles Bronson, good. obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's amazing. Um, I actually just, I don't really like Charlie Puth's music that much, <laughs> but I've recently been, like, watching a lot of um, videos about him, and just the way that he makes music is really cool. He has, like, perfect pitch, like, insane oh, perfect really? pitch. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got a really crazy. Not just, like, another level of perfect pitch. Like, he can hear, like, a coin drop on the floor and tell you what, what it is. Like, it's... Get out of yeah, here. It's insane. They, so I watched really a cool. sorry to cut you off, but I watched a like a it's like a David David Dobrik, is that his name? Oh, vlog, yeah. Yeah, and he was hanging out with Charlie Puth, and they were playing songs. And he was sitting at the piano. They would play a song for him that he'd never heard before, and then he and would immediately play it on the piano exactly how it is. Yeah, he's, you know, the he's so. What do you think that is? That's just perfect it's pitch. It's perfect pitch. And then yeah. knowing the piano and your theory inside and out, and knowing the interval changes and chord changes, and so you just hear it in a song, and you know you just know what it is. Yeah. He's crazy. Huh. That's yeah, so that is crazy. Really cool. um, you think it's Dr. annoying Dre, when people walk in during like Dr. Dre. Mm. Dr. Dre. I thought I saw Dr. Dre at a <laughs> bar in Hollywood when I first moved to Hollywood because somebody was like, that's Dr. Dre. It was not Dr. Yeah, Dre. Yeah. And it was probably super <laughs> racist. And I was like, really? Because I was an idiot. But I mean, um, yeah, I don't really know like a lot of female producers, which is unfortunate. But now you do, Ellie. Welcome. Yeah, yeah now I do. <laughs> But also, y- there is a lack of them, so it's... Yes, there are. Or there's just a lack of them getting their names out there. Because from what yeah. I found, there's a lot of... I'll, I'll talk about it later, but there's a lot of organizations. There's a lot of communities kind of um, prop, you know, cropping up in the last couple of years that are trying to support and get everybody out there and, and connect women with other yeah, women. Yeah, and I have seen that, you know, that stuff going on. There's like a women in music um, like yes. thing that our school even like encourages some people to get involved in. I think that might be... Th- through the academy too yeah. yeah there's a lot of that so there's a um a great billboard article uh, that kind of sparked this whole thing once i knew you were going to be you know wanted to be on the podcast we were like dove into this uh production thing which i thought was really cool because i didn't really know a whole lot about it either it was something i hadn't really thought about didn't have a reason to think about right. and then um you know it's fascinating and it's also i think just indicative of every other field and industry you know that are lacking women uh, down to the government yeah, down to everything music is not um, the only one for sure no it's not so there's an article called where are all the female music producers mm. hello um it's written by melinda newman it's in the january 2018 billboard um magazine you can just look at it online so one of the up-and-coming um younger producers her name is alex hope i sent you guys an article oh, yeah, um I saw that about her she's 25 and she's from australia she actually now lives in la and she's a music producer and a songwriter she's very bright from what i can tell from her articles and is very knowledgeable at her age it sounds like she's been around for a long time she's done a ton of stuff in australia she works with a lot of australian artists she's written a lot of songs produced a lot of stuff for australian artists i think she's collaborated with some swedish artists as well Um, But her quote I thought was interesting that she said, quote, it's interesting that a lot of female artists have this feminist message and they'll make their record with all men. It seems kind of hypocritical. She says this woman, um, which they kind of inserted, will get up to accept an award and be surrounded by straight white middle aged men, end quote, which is so true. So I dove into the past year, the top female albums of 2018. I kind of did a Google search of the top albums of 2018. The ones that featured women were Camila Cabello, um, of course, The Star is Born, which was Lady Gaga, Cardi B, and Ariana Grande had albums in the top uh, 10. So on Camila Cabello's 
album, she had 11 credited male producers, and that was it. No females. On The Star is Born, there's eight men and Lady Gaga, because it's her own music. She's credited. Cardi B um, had four men, or I'm sorry, she had uh, on her song, I Like It, which was her like big hit of the year. She was credited as a producer and then four men just on that single. And then there were 31 male producers on the rest of the album. So it was just males and then her. Right. And not all, um, I don't think she was credited on all her songs but on that well she might have been just on that one song that i looked up because that was the song that was attached to that album ariana grande her sweetener album nine men and her yeah but she does a lot of the, um, doesn't ariana grande do a, have a lot of involvement with her music or no no oh, really? i just well, saw a video of her and it was like learning how to use pro tools so oh, okay. oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. so i'm wondering that's a that's a great point i'm wondering if a lot of this producing credit is just because she's so powerful on her mm-hmm. own album it's kind of put on there and, and you know she might have input but you don't think she's necessarily mixing and kind of yeah. interacting with well, her I own know stuff did okay her album and he's like very collaborative you mm-hmm. know with stuff and so i'm guessing that's kind of where that came into play okay well that makes a good point because you you look at all this stuff they're like madonna janet jackson um you know ariana grande they name all these women that are credited as producers but it's like how many of them actually are doing the Pro Tools work or the mixing work or right. or are they just standing in the studio giving direction and giving input? You yeah. know, which is which part is of production, but part of production. You know. But I don't think that's what they're talking about is having like get an engineer, get a female engineer, get a female mixer, get a female producer and actually doing the hands on physical work of the equipment and all that kind of stuff is what I think the academy, you know, the recording academy is trying to do is get more women involved in the actual making not just you know being there directing what is going on but actually you know creating you know with the with the equipment is I think what their the ultimate goal is um and then there was another uh single that was in the top 10 from an album uh, but the single was called the middle which is a country um song which I didn't know anything about Marin Morris is her name and she oh, that's is credited a, a pop song but it Marin Morris is the singer and she's country but okay that was like a all right Zed well that makes sense hit. that was a yes huge the Zed Even that was huge and it was uh, <laughs> I didn't I don't know if I I, I didn't listen to it but <laughs> it had a bunch of other but she was the only kind of woman attached to that song with like you again, would know like if a, you heard it other dudes. you definitely heard it on the radio I would yeah yeah, yeah. okay Dillon probably sing that one all the time probably yeah, yeah. So, of the men that were kind of in the top in 2018, Donald Glover, Post Malone, Kendrick Lamar, needless to say, all dudes. Um, for example, Drake's album, Scorpion, had 34 male producers on oh, it, no dude, women. Maroon 5. producers, bro. <laughs> Drake, come on, bro. 34? So, uh, I know. It's, I, I'm like, I had to, like, I wanted to count the right number and I was like recounting because I'm like it's 34 right is 31 right it seemed crazy but you know I think each song has their own feel individual like they get different producers for different songs I guess I I didn't like that album at all the culture the culture right now around beat making is like they get a they get a producer credit but you could be the beat maker and then someone else has to mix and master it and then someone else comes in and edits your beat or like Drake says now nah, like, like let's slow it down let's change the bpm let's switch the key or whatever then you get that's already like four producers on one song okay i see um 
So, and then Maroon 5, which ironically has a song, uh, Girls Like You, you know, which I think is hilarious when they're like, you know, I want a girl like you. And they're talking about women and women empowerment and stuff. And then he has zero women on, right. <laughs> on his record. So yeah, that's weird. that song alone had two male producers. And then his whole album, Red Pills Blue, had 20 male producers, no women. Wow. Yeah. So. Sorry, I know you guys just had somebody come to the door. That's yeah, sorry um, whatever. <laughs> we kicked so it off. two other younger women besides this, um, besides uh, Alex Hope, which you should check out, is a girl, Wonder Girl, which I'm sure she's 22. Yes, she's a Canadian I've record producer. Yes. She's worked with Jay Z, Travis Scott, SZA, Rihanna, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people. And then another girl who's um, she's from LA. I think it's. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this, and I'm going to probably screw it up. It's Toka Monster. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that. T-O-K-I-M-O-N-S-T-A. She's from L.A. She produced a guy, I actually think it's a girl, Gavin Tariks, T-U-R-E-K-S. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sorry. (laughs) Um, It's called You're Invited. It was in 2015, and she has her own label that she kind of puts her own music out on that she produces called Young Art Records, and you can find that online. She has some cool stuff on there. She actually had a couple brain surgeries in 2015, it looks like, where she lost all function of hearing music, like everything sounded to her metallic or whatever she said. It was very interesting. She lost all function to be able to make music and produce music, which and then she had to relearn everything. Wow. And now she's back to making music, which it's kind of a fascinating story. So she's kind of had a little comeback resurgence here, which is neat. That's insane. Yeah, so there are a few up-and-comers that are kind of you guys' age that you guys should check out. Um, So, and then to kind of, for anybody in the area or anywhere you are online, there's a couple websites I want to just kind of throw out there so you can connect with women musicians, engineers, producers, whatever it is, and they have a lot of good information on there. They're extensive websites, and they try to produce all female music with all females you know working on the music from the production to the singing to whatever it is um one of his one of them is called soundgirls.org and it's a support network for women in professional audio and music production and the website actually has an eql directory for women to specifically network and to hire so you can upload your resume you can you know do all this kind of stuff and you can network with a bunch of people there's another one called femalefrequency.com, and it's a community dedicated to empowering female, transgender, and non-binary artists through the creation of music that is entirely female-generated. And they've put out, it looked like, up to six-something albums where it's everything is female-generated. So they put out their own music. It's all created by females. Um, and they also have a bunch of events, you know, that you can learn logic or you know whatever they just a bunch of events on there that for women specifically that they can go and get involved in that's cool and then there's a website called womensaudiomission.org they're actually based out of san francisco and it's actually the only all-run women recording studio um but they also have a ton of information on there for women to kind of connect and everything so all the websites on there have workshop events, conferences that women can meet up, work together, learn from each other, support each other, um, which is, I think, what sounds like the industry needs right now mm-hmm. is to kind of women keep on working with other women, supporting other women, teaching other women, and looking out for each other is basically the message of this podcast today. Yeah. 
All right. Yay. So I think Aiden, your job. Yeah. Work with Ellie. You guys work together. Yeah. Create music. Get a bunch of chicks together. Do st- is chicks derogatory? I don't mm. know. I say chicks. Uh, it's okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I end on a really derogatory <laughs> note. <laughs> I just go out offending everyone after this all like empowerment thing. That's classic me. Yeah. So there you go. So hopefully, you know, there's more people out there. I know. You know, it's just a matter of of weeks worth of researching it was this is what I could come up with in a deep dive and so I'm sure there's other great female musicians great producers great engineers out there that are doing hard work that probably been working for 20 30 years but it's like you just can't find them you just don't know who they are and unless you've been in the industry a long time or know people who know people you know and you've been around for a while you might not know them but you know you guys that are just starting out have no idea who these people are you know unless someone tells you so research go to these websites you know get informed talk to other women yeah. you know work together try to do stuff together and just you know yeah I, th- I do think it. there's like a lot of a lot of ways that we can get like women to stand out in this industry and like get them you know the recognition they deserve and also like women banding together and you know working with each other and instead of like having I I think for me like I kind of sometimes have that mindset of like I'm just happy to be here or like instead of like I deserve to be here like of course absolutely you deserve to be there just as much as anybody else or like if not more because you might have had to work harder whatever it is exactly yeah you know I mean I don't know your your background in medicine and you know in, in math, which is what yeah. you seem to be, because there was an article that 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 kind of was insinuating that because girls aren't thriving in these like STEM academic you know platforms, mm-hmm. that they're kind of not going into these industries that are like music based or math based or whatever yeah. it is. I don't know how reliable that is. That might be true. So maybe there's a correlation there with you, or you know your brain is you know more wired to like understanding those things you know but I also like I have a daughter who struggles at math and it's not that she doesn't she's very bright but it's just like it's a different way of learning Mm -hmm. and I think that when people sometimes struggle there's people that are like they just say it's too hard screw it instead of not everybody learns the same way not everybody functions the same way and it's like you have to look at the individual and and be patient and and if it's a passion just keep going at it and don't give up and just you know you absolutely deserve to be there I'm psyched you're there I'm happy for you guys I'm excited to see what you guys are going to do it's it's really cool yeah. yay Aiden you okay <laughs> yes I'm still d- there? I- thank god Ellie was here she like held the helm for I you know, man I, I <laughs> literally was coughing so much you kept getting up and leaving I'm like <laughs> you nervous we were joking at the beginning about you <laughs> I just got offended like 50 <laughs> times during the episode of this podcast <laughs> No, Aiden, I hopefully is a supportive young man. I hope I've taught you well yeah, that you are course. supporting everyone around you, yeah. male and female, yes. and collaborating with everyone. And if Ellie will produce your record, if you, if you, and then she can also teach you how to grocery shop. Oh, yeah, we do <laughs> have we to go grocery shopping together. He's yeah. terrible at that. <laughs> Bob bagels today. That's good. Oh, good deal. All right, guys. Thanks for being a guest, yeah, Ellie. We appreciate it. Yeah. 
first I don't guest. know. Maybe this could be like a whole thing. You could join us weekly. Yes. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> podcast upgrade. <laughs> and then so we'll start fun. our, what was it? White man learning yeah, podcast. That, I will Let's see if anybody's interested in that. Do Let's that. do it. And Aiden, you can run that one and we can teach you stuff. It'll yeah. be cool. We'll just All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Ellie, for being our special thanks guest. You did awesome. It's very informative. Plug the Instagram. And we'll see you next time. Don't forget about that stuff. Instagram. Oh, yeah. Facebook. My Instagram is ehavenstrite, E H A V E N S T R I T E. And I think my SoundCloud is just Ellie Havenstrait. So. Ellie Havenstrait. We'll put it up on our, when I post uh, the episode, I'll, I'll add you at stuff. Is that what it's called? Adding people mm-hmm. at sure. stuff? Tag. At, okay. And then uh, also tag. follow okay, the tag. Almost LA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. You we have unsure. no followers on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook? What was Facebook. I, I'm so removed from Facebook. I was off of it for a hundred years and then got back on because of the podcast and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's just kind of there. So I repost stuff. I don't we'll know what's going on. Love. <laughs> Everyone love our stuff. Thanks, Thank guys. Bye. Bye. Peace out. Bye. Bye.